For 11 years, Yermo Kekalainen has been the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and heading into this year's trade deadline, he had a few interesting moves that he might have to make. Unfortunately, he won't get to make those moves now because he is no longer the GM of the team as the Blue Jackets part ways and go in a different direction. We examine the downfall of Yermo Kekalainen, where he could end up next, and where the Blue Jackets go from here. Episode 400 of Lace Em Up Podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tuboff. If you can believe it, we've made it this far. 400 episodes. Thanks so much to anyone who has been there from the beginning. If this is your first episode listening to the podcast, welcome. Uh, We are going to talk about the guy that has been the Columbus Blue Jackets for basically every single episode up until this one, Yarmo Kekalainen, who is no longer the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, that's crazy to me when I saw that, like, because, like, I guess... I never really thought about it before, but, like, it's crazy that he, like, his first year as a general manager of the Blue Jackets was in 2013. Um, and, yeah, as you were mentioning, that's, like, 11 years. It feels like a lot of GMs, like, don't last too long or have, like, a shorter shelf life for whatever reason. Obviously, if you're a good GM, you know, like David Poyle, then that makes sense. Um, but, like... It is kind of crazy when you think about it because Kekalainen, when you think of the Blue Jackets, like, yeah, he, they are kind of relevant now um, in some ways, but they're mostly relevant because of how many prospects they drafted really highly. Um, and obviously when they, mm-hmm. when you get guys like Patrick Laine and Johnny Goudreau, but like in their system, they have, um, obviously they have Adam Fantilli, they, ha- they drafted Cole Sillinger, uh, Ken Johnson um, on the back end, Zach Wierenski, I, uh, no, Ivan Provorov, um, uh, Jake Bean, David Yurichek, uh, Denton Matechuk, David Yurichek, Corson Kuhlmans. Um, there's also, like, um, I mean, maybe I was going to say, like, maybe you could make a case Yeager Chenikov, but, like, even at the time, people were kind of confused about that one. But like, and Yarmo wasn't afraid to be bold yeah. too. And Chinnikov was one of those yeah. bold reaches that he made. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I if I remember, I, what year was that again? Do you remember? I think that was like twenty twenty, right? Um, it was either twenty twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. It was yeah. around that time, yeah. Because I I think I I think that was like he could have had like like there was. Uh, let me look here quickly. I know I hate doing this, but um, twenty twenty. 21st overall. But while I stall, um, did you know that I was looking up Kekalainen before the call? Did you know that he um, he played for both the Bruins and the Ottawa Senators? So he has something in common with Zdeno Chara and Chris Funny Chris enough, uh, he was also Ottawa's director of player yeah. personnel. That was his first front office gig. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he, he drafted Shinnikov. 21st in 2020 draft and to be fair like because of the Nobody pandemic had stuff Shinnikov on yeah. the draft board yeah. that high but 
Uh, Hendrix LaPierre was drafted right after. Tyson Forrester, who's, who's making a name for himself this year. Uh, Connor Zary, he's definitely making a name for himself this year. Jake Neighbors is another one who's doing well. Ridley Grieg, who we talked a lot about last week. Uh, <laughs> Maverick Bork, who's leading the league in uh, points in the AHL. Um, so those are guys that he could have drafted. And, oh, J.J. Paterka in the second round, who's yeah, also doing really well now. Really um, so, like, he could have had those guys because those guys were kind of sought after or, like, a lot of scouts had them pretty highly. So it's like you could have theoretically drafted one. If you really wanted Chinnikov, fine. I get it. But at this, if I remember correctly, he was kind of like an overager um, and, and all that stuff. So he, like, you know, everyone could have could have drafted him the year before that um, and they didn't. So it's like, oh, well, you could have gotten a Connor Zary or Jake Neighbors and, um, and then drafted uh, Chinnikov later on, but you didn't do that. Although Chinnikov has had a decent season, just not like those uh, Zary, Grieg, or um, neighbors, like I mentioned. Um, but yeah, in any case, he—I mean—he does get some credit for Johnny Gaudreau. Um, obviously, also getting you know trading for uh, Artemi Panarin uh, back when everyone thought that uh, Patrick Kane was lifting up. Panarin's stats, and they didn't realize how good Panarin actually was on his own. Um, so he deserves credit for that. Obviously, he traded for Bobrovsky um, back in the day. He also traded for Duchesne and managed to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was the best regular season team up until that point um, at that time. So that's something that he'll probably, you know, that'll probably be the pinnacle that is the peak of his time there as a GM. Um, and then, you know, I, I guess the thing, though, that in terms of the downfall stuff, it's like you hear stories, and we talked about this, that Elvis Merzelkins wants out. Um, and he was pretty good as, a, you know, in his rookie year, as a, especially as a goaltender. So it's, it, you know, they kind of ruined him. Um, it seems like David Yerchek uh, wants out. Um, and I guess maybe, and then of course he hires, uh, Mike Babcock over the summer. Then there's this whole thing where Babcock doesn't even coach for the, uh, the regular season. Um, and now like, I guess you can't really like blame him for the fact that Patrick Laine went out of, um, you know, went to the assistance program, uh, Boone Jenner missed a lot of time, uh, due to injury, same with Zach Wierenski. So if those three guys were healthy and all that, this would probably be a different team. Adam Fantilli's also was out for the uh, second half of the year. But I also, and so like, so I'm not like, I don't hate this move. I can see why, because they're the worst team in the league. Something has to change. However, like I feel like all the prospects we just talked about that are highly regarded, I feel like that's Pascal Vincent's fault. <laughs> and, um, like, like they need to like fire Pascal Vincent. I know he just got the job and all that stuff, but they need like a coach that can help develop the young guys. Because if the Blue Jackets are going to secede, like yeah, obviously it helps when you have Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine on your team, and we know how good they are. Um, but if you don't have like a coach that can get Adam Fantilli going, and when he was healthy, he was on like the fourth line. Um, that's that's 
like it's like at that point it's like what are we um you know just put him in the AHL for, for if if you're doing that but I guess he's he's injured for the rest of the season so it doesn't matter there um and then um yeah and then it's just like you don't really know like the Columbus Blue Jackets just never had a true center like Boone Jenner is their number one center and he's fine and all like he does a lot of stuff but I wouldn't consider him a first line center um and um so so I feel they like even had Ryan Johansson yeah. and Pierre-Luc Dubois who right. had a higher offensive ceiling than Boone Jenner and yeah. they didn't last very long and sure. I would argue have progressed below yeah. number one center currently but like yeah that's true although like now Pierre-Luc Dubois and Ryan Johansson are both not very good on their teams currently um, so, mm-hmm, yeah. so maybe, maybe that was the right thinking for Kekalainen, but at the same time, uh, although I guess if I remember correctly, I think, um, Rijo was decent in Columbus. He just kind of fell off. Yeah. Um, when he was and in Nashville, Nashville too. Yeah. 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 And in Nashville too. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's like, it's just a, I don't know. I, I think he does have like he did do well, good trades, and obviously he got he convinced Johnny Gaudreau to come by when Johnny Gaudreau c- could have gotten paid a lot higher from another team. Um, so he did something there. Uh, Patrick Line, he deserves some credit for that too. But um, but yeah, it's just like uh, it feels like yeah this this felt like the right move. However, I feel like. There's something even more has to change. Like I think I think it's the head coach that just needs to go as well. So let's just talk about first of all what this guy was able to do with the Columbus Blue Jackets. First of all, they never won a playoff series or a playoff game before he came around. Mm. Check and check under Yarmo Kekalainen. Um, this was a team that had some pretty good seasons. Uh, they were third in the Metro in 2016-17. They had a double-digit win streak that season. Um, they also had a couple of fourth-place finishes and were underdogs to make the playoffs. And they gave the Pittsburgh Penguins a couple of hard-fought series, a really good run for their money. I can't remember what year it was. Um, I think it was 2014, 2014, 2015 was one of those years where everyone was like, you can't sleep on the Blue Jackets anymore. They're good. Um, At the same time, this would be their fourth straight season where they have no playoff hockey. I'm pretty much counting as the fourth straight season because there's no way in hell. They dig themselves out of this hole, Um, which is the same number of playoff appearances they have had in those 11 years with Jarmo Kekalainen at the helm. Uh, They also have a trio of eighth place finishes currently and might as well mark their fourth uh, at this rate because they're probably going to finish last in the Metro. They could even finish last in the entire Eastern Conference. They've been trending downwards since the the COVID bubble ended, basically. Um, They've been trending downwards. Um, and I know that John Tortorella parting ways with him was probably needed, but goddamn, they miss him because yep. look at what, what they are now. Like what culture do they have? What yep. structure do they have? They brought in Brad Larson that looked 
maybe it was going to be something early on, but never materialized there. Then they bring in Mike Babcock, and then he starts looking through people's phones, and it's just like, okay, bad idea. We're not doing that. Yeah. And then they bring in Pascal Vincent, and Patrick Laine is, you know, um, you know, grumbling uh, a little bit uh, too much on the bench there, and now he's entered, obviously, the player assistance program. It's been a tough year for Patrick Laine. Uh, it's been tough sledding for Johnny Goudreau as well, mm. for the most part, and during his time in Columbus. And while he probably made the biggest free agency splash this team has ever made, what has that free agency splash done for the Blue Jackets in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, he brought in Ivan Provorov. Whoop-dee-doo. What, what's that done for them in, yep. the, in year one of that experiment? They sign and trade for Damon Severson. They gave him a boatload of money. And this team is unfortunately still treading water. Yep. Um, Artemi Panarin, yeah, that was a great trade. Definitely would do again. Matt Duchesne, 100%. They were in the middle of a win now season. Definitely would do again. Um, you know, Bobrovsky. going all in and banking on Bobrovsky and losing him for nothing. Yep. Yeah, worth it because they did the thing and they sweep Tampa's legs from underneath him in eight gates. So there were a lot of bold gambles that Yarmo Kekalainen have has been able to make in his time here. There have also been bold gambles that have failed horribly. And I think what sealed the fate wasn't, I guess to a lesser extent, the Mike Babcock stuff. But when Patrick Laine is grumbling on the bench a little bit too much, and then Elvis Merz Lincoln says he wants out, and then David Juracek, who you drafted two years mm -hmm. prior, says he wants out, there's the warning sign right there. If you can't command the room and get people to buy into your plan, then you get into a position where multiple people want to leave. Then the whole team is in a state of flux. Yeah. And then you have no good players left. Right. So I think for the sake of the entire franchise as a whole, it was unfortunately time to make a move. And the fact that they did this three weeks before the trade deadline speaks volumes as to how much of a necessity this was they were probably just hoping and waiting to get to the end of the year where they had a bigger picture on the what what the market was going to be but the fact you do this three weeks before the trade deadline where you could have assets to sell kind of speaks to you know how urgent the situation has gotten and while he did a lot of good for the blue jackets there have been a lot of things that haven't aged well yeah um yeah i think it's like I mean, obviously, you had to do you have to do something right in order to be have the GM role for eleven years, um, and obviously, yeah, I think he did bring the Blue Jackets into relevancy, um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think once towards part or once was it the same season that Panarin, Duchesne, and Bobrovsky left? Was that the same season that Tortorella left as well? Do you remember? No, Tortorella was there in the, uh, so 2019 is when the big three left. And right. then Tortorella stayed around for the 20, uh, okay. 2020 bubble. They pissed off the Maple Leafs and then Tampa got their revenge and won the cup. That's right. And then okay. in 2021, after a lackluster campaign where Dubois okay. um, basically walked out on the team and then they traded for Patrick Laine after yeah. that season got when okay. his contract was up, for, they didn't okay. bring him back. Fair, yeah, yeah. 
I, I for some reason I thought that it was the same season where they <laughs> they lost Panarin, Bobrovsky, no, and Duchesne no, no, no. all in the same time. Although I guess for Duchesne he wasn't he was just a rental at that time. So, um, but like and oh, and they also Thorns was around for the year of Merce Lincoln's when he right. set the league on fire. And they also uh, and Keke, we didn't even talk about the fact that uh, Kekalainen traded Seth Jones to Chicago for Adam Bogdanovich. That looked like a genius yep. move by Yarmo in hindsight yeah, yeah. too. But like, I mean, I still would do that trade like that. Like, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Have you like seen it, Seth Jones analytics yeah. with the Hawks? They're exactly. Terrible. And it's not like necessarily that Adam Bulkfist has been great, but the fact that the Blackhawks immediately signed him for nine point five million, and then um, yeah, and then he's he wasn't as good. Um, as we all that also allowed them to give Zacharensky the money right. that he wanted. And while he hasn't yep. been necessarily healthy for most of his tenure since he signed that deal, he's still Zacharensky and he still plays damn good hockey when he's out right, there. right, right, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's definitely something that, um, like, yeah, I, I can kind of like he's done some good stuff, some very bad stuff. I think what did him in though was just the fact that he. Um, he just didn't have uh, like just the fact that he hasn't developed all the players um, like Fantilli, like Cole Sillinger, like uh, David Yerchek, uh, Denton Matejchuk. Although he <laughs> he's still in the uh, CHL right now, but um, yeah, you, you know, look at guys like yeah. Jordan Demay of the Moose and one, yeah. uh, Luca Pinelli of the Sixty Sevens yeah. that they even drafted in the later rounds. Yeah. The same thing could happen to them, like sure. it's happened to you know guys like Cole Sillinger. Right, right, right. So, so it's it's definitely I can totally um, understand their um, that that aspect of it, um, but yeah, it's just um, yeah. So he, he did some good, did some bad. Um, okay, so we did talk about was this the right move? I think it was the right move. Um, but what do we think the Blue Jackets do now before the trade deadline and then during the summer? Um, I, so John Davidson, who is the president of the Blue Jackets, he also has spent some time as the president of the New York Rangers beforehand. So um, anyways, he's, he's now the interim GM for the time being. Um, so yeah, what do they do during the trade deadline? Um, I just had their cap-friendly page open in LA. Oh, I have it open still. Um, so in terms of like people they could potentially trade, Jack Roslevic is one of them. Um, mm -hmm. Jake Bean is an RFA uh, this year. Uh, Roslevic is a UFA. Uh, Tessier, uh, that could be an interesting piece for some teams. Um, Kent Johnson, they're not trading him. Kirill Machenko, they're not trading him either. He's been pretty good. Cole, like, or he's been one of the alone bright spots on this team right now um and i i feel like they they will they they will maybe they won't trade elvis this trade deadline but i think they will trade him over the summer because it's a lot easier to do that i know we talked about him last week um and it's hard to trade someone with his contract the way it's going he has uh 5.4 million for four more years um it might be easier to do it if you're if he has three more years left and it's a full season. Um, so uh, where a lot of team and uh, especially when the cap's going up, that that might not be bad if you, um, if you can get him to 
work. Um, but um, so maybe that's something, some move that they do, but I don't think that's going to be for the trade deadline. Uh, they're definitely sellers. I think the, the thing that they're, they're probably in the lookout for is a center uh, that can build them up in the future. They do have Adam Fantilli, but he is injured. So, um, so that, that would be tough, but I think you need another center. Um, but like, I guess a lot of it really depends on, cause it's very possible that, um, the Blue Jackets win the lottery and then they get Macklin Celebrini. And then all of a sudden this team is very, very interesting because then you have Celebrini who looks like he's going to be a pretty, he's going to be a star almost right away. Um, maybe not like Connor Bedard, obviously, but like, he's going to be like uh, pretty good, uh, right away. Um, and if you can set him up with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine on your wing, on your wings, like, okay, then you're golden there. Um, so, so maybe that's something you do, um, or it's like, but like, you know, obviously they just have to win the lottery, but that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, right. Good luck with that. San yeah. Jose and Chicago are doing all they can yeah. to make sure they win. But, but, the but lot that being said, yeah. That being said, the third best odds won the lottery. And guess where Columbus is? Their best odds. Yeah. Right well, now. Anyway, I was about to say it's like you never like the lottery is literally the lottery, and like last year. Yeah, it's RNG. <laughs> yeah. You never know what's gonna happen. The Blackhawks weren't the worst team statistically speaking, but they ended up winning anyways. Um, so um, and like same with the Oilers when they won Connor McDavid, and you know, so you, there's a lot mm -hmm. of examples like that too, um, but. Um, so, so it's not like just because they're, they're doing that. It's like, it's, it's, it's not like unlikely or the worst thing to do, but, um, but yeah, that's definitely, um, that could be something interesting. I just, I feel like they need to get maybe more like, I think they just need a more of a veteran leadership because like, yeah, obviously yeah. it's, it's cool that they have guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, uh, Sean Corrali, um, even like Justin Danforth, um, and like Zach Wierenski, even though he's like 26, he's still, you know, he has some experience in the NHL. So like they do have some experience, but I think that's also the problem there too, where it's like, because you have so many young guys, they don't know the ins and outs of the NHL. So I think they might need another guy who can show them the ropes. And it's like, yeah, obviously Johnny Gaudreau can do that, but that's a lot of pressure on Johnny Gaudreau. So I think they just need, maybe I think that's the answer. They just need another guy who's who's a veteran. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, the thing with the Blue Jackets in terms of their direction forward is I don't really trust where they're going because I don't really trust the people leading it. Yeah. Like, John Davidson is the interim GM at the moment, as you said. Um, remember when Mike Babcock was hired and they were talking about, um, you know, just the process of landing Mike Babcock in Columbus and who they talked to? They talked to people they know, not, you know, the guys they should probably ask about, you know, hey, unbiased opinion is this guy a good fit for our team? Would you trust this guy uh, leading our group of young players in the battle every night? And if that was the kind of approach they're taking with the head coach, who's to say they're going to take 
um, a better approach and amp up their due diligence big time for the guy that's going to construct your roster to draft your players to make trades that alter the future of your team. There was, um, in the recent edition of the Steve Dangle podcast, a podcast I've said many times, where Steve Dangle was talking about uh, one of his insider sources uh, and how we should watch out for Mark Hunter of the London Knights. And Mark Hunter was in the Leafs front office. He was gunning for the GM gig of the Maple Leafs when Lou Lamorello left. And then Kyle Dubas got it, and he wasn't really happy, and he ended up going to the London Knights, took his ball, and went home. And Mark Hunter, for those of you who know, a big part of the London Knights, you know who's also a big part of the London Knights? Basil McRae, who's in the Columbus Blue Jackets front office. You know who else is a big part of the London Knights franchise? Who's also a big part of the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise? Rick and Ash, of course. He's Mm. in their front office. So they probably know Mark Hunter pretty well. So what are the odds that, you know, they just go with another guy they know and just plop them into the GM chair? Uh, Mark Hunter, a guy who I don't believe has really been the GM of an NHL team. It's different between OHL versus NHL, obviously. So you're just bringing a guy in with, you know, this vision that maybe things will be different under this guy when he probably has less experience at this kind of a gig than Jarmo Kekalainen does, and you're just assuming he's going to make the right decisions to help the team. I think you need a guy that's been there, done that, that has GM experience. No, I'm not saying Pierre Dorian, but I think you need a well-rounded guy that has been in tough situations before and can help Columbus get out of it because they're in one hell of a pickle right now. Yeah, And... If they're going with people they know, I don't really see how things change. Yeah, that's a good point. But like, I don't think they're actually going to do that. <laughs> they're not like John. I hope David. they don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I hope they th- yeah. that uh, logic prevails in this situation and their process, yeah. their due diligence is very widespread. They need to make the right hire. Yeah, I think the thing that's also interesting, and as you were going through the history, um, a couple of minutes ago was that like, yeah, they've been through a lot of coaches um, in the last couple of years, and I can't imagine what that does to the psyche of your your players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and Particularly just, Patrick Laine, he's yeah. been through three coaches in Columbus now. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's like, even though I feel like Pascal, uh, like it seems like, as we talked about in our show a couple of weeks ago when when David Yurchek was uh, requesting the trade out, like and Pascal Vincent like compared David Yurchek to like his thirteen year old daughter, um, and I'm like, okay, so so this is a guy who's just like 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 a team that has a ton of like young prospects that in order for the Blue Jackets to be successful for for, uh, for years to come. They need to develop their prospects, um, like better. Like th- that's that's like a nece- necessity. That's their number one priority, and or all they and like and they compare one the of their jacket. better prospects to a thirteen-year-old. I'm just like, okay, so like like that's not a good culture thing for something that you're trying to cult- cultivate. Um, so it's like I feel like Pascal Vincent isn't 
the guy, because of what he just said, obviously I don't, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not there, but maybe he could be someday, yeah. but not in this situation right exactly. now where everything is going wrong and you need a voice of sanity. It's I don't a, think he's the voice of sanity by any stretch. Yeah. And the voice of sanity, they thought they would be the voice of sanity, Mike Babcock. They're yeah. paying not to coach the team. Right, so right, right. if they and fire then, Vincent, well, there's two coaches that yeah. you're paying not to be here. And that's like the same situation too, because it's like Babcock would have been even worse. Um, yeah, it so, would have been probably. And like, yeah, it was a strange hire to begin with, even before that whole thing um, with the mm-hmm. phones and stuff. But like, uh, because it's like I, I can kind of, like that felt like a desperation move from Kekalainen's part, where he's just like, yeah, I know he's a bad I'm fighting dude for my life. I gotta, do but I have to now. do something. And then it blew up in his face before the the season even started. But then it seems like, oh, this Pascal Vincent guy also (laughs) doesn't treat the young players like they want him to anyway. So then it's just like, why do you fire Mike Babcock if the next guy's also going to, uh, like, hurt the (laughs) the young guys as well? Uh, So... So like I, I like so at the same time as I'm saying this, it's like as I just mentioned, the fact that there's been so many coaches in so like few years, I feel like that's also not good either. But yeah, I think that would be the first step though, having said everything. Um Well just the high just like yeah. the standards in Columbus, like yeah. obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs, you can't right. compare their standards. You know, they've been starting for a cup and God knows how long. Right. But they've even had better seasons than the Blue sure. Jackets. They've been consistently yep. in the playoffs for a bulk of Yarmo Kekalainen's uh, time, at, at least in yep. uh, at least uh, in his post-2017. Yep. And, you know, they have assembled, you know, a laundry list of all-stars on their lineup that love playing in Toronto. You, you need to get that kind of a winner in Columbus. And even though they had some really good teams, you look at the track record of the Blue Jackets, you look at a team like the Ottawa Senators under the Jacques Martin regime. The yeah. Jacques Martin regime was so much better than mm-hmm. the current Blue Jackets regime. And I'm sure you look down the list of other regimes and you could say mm-hmm. they're better than this Blue Jackets regime. You gotta aim higher if you're Columbus, and the fans deserve better. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, okay, so um, yeah, I, I guess it's just I don't know what what how to fix it really, but yeah, same. I yeah. got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I Hopefully know. somebody does. I feel like we're j- we just play armchair GM all the time here yeah. on the show. So yeah, in reality, so. we think we're we're what we smart know? asses yeah. and we know everything. We really exactly, don't. Yeah. Like we're not managing caps. We manage yeah. fantasy teams, and exactly. we just react to what we see. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist yeah. to know that just what's been going on in Columbus this year. You just get a lot of bad vibes as yeah. to where this team is headed and hopefully they can reel it back in before it gets to beyond repair level. Yep. Yep. Good point. All right. Uh, let's go to the rapid fire though. Um, so Morgan Riley, uh, he gets suspended for five games. Uh, he has appealed. However, Toronto has won three games since uh, that suspension, so maybe it really did galvanize the whole team. Um, the game against Anaheim doesn't count. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, ca- I'll count it. Um, uh, especially, not. here's the thing. 
Did you know that Lucas Dostal was the gold starting goaltender that time? And do you remember that yeah, Dostal had I'm that sure fifty save? Yeah, I'm sure the media was very yeah. quick to note that he got yeah. chased from the net in that game. Yeah, well, if they remembered his name, but yeah, it's um, the yeah. well, no, well, now they do because you know their team is doing better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, can happily call out a goalie when he sucks. Right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, in any case, it's it's interesting that they um, they did this. I think you know I was thinking about this, uh, and I didn't mention this last week, but like because we were talking about this early on in the season about how like there was no fight out of the Leafs uh, when the Bruins pushed them around and Marshawn in particular uh, pushed mm-hmm. uh, the Leafs around, and at least like yeah, M- Morgan Riley probably knew like you know that he got cross checked and all that stuff. But I think there is something to be said about like how and. It seems like that's kind of what Sheldon Keefe was saying afterwards. It's like, all right, like, you just don't push us around. Like, you know, like, we're not like these, like, soft babies anymore. Like, it's like, yeah, Morgan Riley, he he got suspended. But in a way, it's like, and he shouldn't have done that, obviously. But, like, in a way, it's like, it may have been like like an identity thing now where it's like, oh, okay, we get suspended. They can kind of build around that aspect of it where they're just like oh we have some like sandpaper to us which is funny because it's like you would think the whole reason why they got ryan reeves was for that and it turns out that it was morgan riley who's probably you know who hasn't been who's not really known for being an enforcer and uh, up until this point obviously but um so it's uh yeah we'll see how it goes once morgan riley's back i i wasn't surprised by the five games especially when it was in person no. But, uh, but I do remember that David Perron had a similar thing and he got suspended six games. So that's the only one where I'm like, Oddly okay. enough against the Sens as well. Yeah. So that's the only one where I'm like, okay, maybe that's like, like there isn't a ton of consistency, but five or six game, it's like a give or take kind of thing. So um, it's, I'm not going to like necessarily care that much about it, but it is a little, I do want to point that out. Yeah, I, I think five games was, like, the max that you should probably give yep. Morgan Riley for that. Um, I totally understand what he was trying to do to fire up his team to send a message we're not going to be bullied around yep. by other teams. And I hope uh, the next person to test that theory, uh, someone else from the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs, uh, has a similar reaction because up until this point, it's been Morgan Riley to make that statement. Uh, more guys need to do that. It can't yep. be just one guy. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, we do have some. Um, oh, sorry, uh, Couturier. Uh, he is the Flyers' captain. Um, this uh, he was just announced that this year. Um, it see like this is a good choice because it seems like yeah the Flyers are in a playoff position right now. They did lose to the Devils last uh, last night um, in the outdoor game, which we'll get into in a second. But um, but it, it does seem like uh, that was the, that's been the big difference between the Flyers this year compared to last year. Um, and yeah, he, he look, look, you don't even like it's hard to remember the fact that like, oh, right, he missed like the last two seasons due to injury. So he's kind of a lock to get this uh, the Masterton at this point. I was actually seeing some people say that he might get the Selkie as well. Um, his scoring isn't up like it used to be, but. Um, but maybe that'll come next year. Who knows? I think um, 
unlike um, the prospect they just traded away, Sean Couturier is born to be a flyer. Yep. And you've seen it in the past couple of seasons where he's had to bow back from injury. Just the sheer determination and leadership that this guy shows, uh, perfect choice for captaincy. Yep. And uh, proud of Coots. I'm glad he got the gig. Um, I, I think he's probably the best guy to lead the team. Yeah, thinking about it, I don't even know who else would even come close to to being a captain there. It seems like it's the obvious choice. Um, so, so there's that. Um, okay, so uh, now we have the outdoor games, as I alluded to. The, uh, there were two games. Uh, one, uh, the Devils and Flyers played on Saturday. The, Fly, uh, the Devils ended up winning that game. And now um, I'm updating Steve because I'm sure he doesn't know, but they're playing the third right now in the Rangers-Islanders game. And the Islanders are up 5-3, to three, which is kind of surprising. Um, yeah, maybe Patrick Waugh is having an effect on the team. Who knows? Um, so so there's that. Wow, they have 37 shots on Shashirkin yeah. as well, and the third just began, as you said, Brett. Goodness yeah. gracious. It was also kind of crazy because I was watching the other game, the Devils-Flyers game last night. There was a lot of shots in that game, too. I think, like, the Devils had, like, 47 shots or something like that. Which yeah, is which is crazy. Yeah. You would think in the outdoor games, yeah. you know, the right. shot totals would be a lot lower than that. Yeah, and the, the Flyers also had a lot of shots, too, so it was, it was kind of crazy. But Yeah, um, you figure it'd we'll be see. NHL average, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm disappointed because I have nobody on the Islanders on my fantasy team and <laughs> nobody on the Rangers. Yeah. Um, has done anything for me points wise, so I'm best. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had thought that the um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of I'm curious now because like I feel like the Devils are not. I feel the Devils have been disappointing this year because we thought they would be one of the best teams, mm-hmm. and now they're struggling to find. A, they might not even make the playoffs right now. Um, but I do wonder if this is going to be a good like like a good motivator for them for the the rest of the season where it's like okay you have nico heischer who had two goals and one assist in that game and then you have jack hughes finally healthy i mean yeah sure it sucks that they they probably won't have dougie hamilton but i don't know like and they probably need to get a goalie um at some point i don't know as good as dawes was last last night i don't think he's going to be sustainable um, so, so that would be, they're, they're a team that desperately needs a goaltender, uh, to do that. But, um, so I, I am, but I am curious, like if this type of win will like make the devils be like, oh, we actually, we're, we're a good team. It's like, you know, like, you know, don't, don't underestimate the devils there. So, so I do kind it of wonder if they go on a run. It doesn't solve their problem. It does but, yeah. but. What what could happen is they start going on a winning streak and they get into the playoffs and once you're in, you could be pretty good. But yeah, I I agree. They they. I'm telling you, Saros Saros or Markstrom, just yep. just watch out. They're they have the pieces yep. to get whoever they want in nets. It's how bad do they want it? Sure. Just looking at the standings now in the Metro, the Flyers, by the way, uh, they are trading the flyers by five points Sorry. however the devils have that, that wasn't in hand that wasn't the, the timer by the way and, i i and fucked the, up the flyers are uh are, are trending downward too so that bodes well for new jersey they just gotta keep getting games uh they they just gotta keep taking advantage of uh you know their opponents and uh, winning games 
That wasn't the timer, by the way. I, I just messed okay, up. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, you're probably like, wait a second. Uh, we, <laughs> that was 15 minutes. Um, uh, also, Columbus and um, Detroit are playing in Ohio State next year for a stadium yeah. series. So that's that'll be fun. Uh, of course, it's for like those the, of you who don't know the connection, Michigan and Ohio State yep. are better rivals, so yep. that kind of lives up to the billing here. I imagine a lot of North Americans, at least, will are aware of that. Um, I wonder how many how many fans are going to be wearing Michigan jackets oh, to the game. Probably a I'm lot, very yeah. curious. Or Ohio State, yeah. <laughs> um, That's hostile territory, though. I don't know about that. Yep. Um, uh, then we also have like two guys who had their a thousands career game this week. Um, both first ballot Hall of Famers in my mind. Uh, we'll get to Alex Petrangelo because that was he was the first to get that um, in last week. Um, and um, yeah, he's he's definitely because he had the you know the cup in 2019. Then he goes to Vegas. St. Louis kind of falls apart, part, mostly because they didn't replace Petrangelo. He goes to Vegas. He wins a cup in his third year in Vegas. Um, and, yeah, he's he's kind of like one of the more underrated defensemen um, in the league. Yeah, he has 596 points in 1,001 in games. Um, I mean, obviously, it's he's not, no Kale McCarr or anything like that. But uh, the fact that he does have two cups um, – that that's good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, and of course he he'll still be going. So uh, there's more to come out of him too. Um, and then of course Brad Marchand. Um, this was actually because I was obviously I was watching this game. Um, there was um, they had Bergeron in the booth, and uh, Jack Edwards had asked him about like because obviously Bergeron and Marchand were like a dynamic duo and all that stuff, and. Um, I had kind of forgotten about this, but Bergeron had mentioned how, like, yeah, once Marshawn made Team Canada and he was dominant in the, you know, the World Cup, um, where he got to be on the line with Crosby mm-hmm. and Bergeron, and, like, Bergeron was saying, like, yeah, Mer- Marshawn just, like, went up to me and said, like, oh, I'm actually, like, really good, and that's, like, and Bergeron was saying, it's like, once he made the, the Canada World Cup and he was, like, on notice there um he kind of just he he kind of realized like oh because like he used to be on the fourth line used to be known as the pest and be that annoying guy and he still is to some some extent every now and then um but uh but like he started like Bergeron was noting how like Marshawn like after the World Cup he noticed a difference in Marshawn's play because he started to Marshawn realized like oh I'm actually really good at hockey um and and he noticed that in the stats as well obviously like um he had a he had 67 points last year in 73 games uh the year before that he had 80 points in 70 games and um and now he has 50 points in 55 games so he's kind of struggling a little bit but but at the same time, like, I think any team would, like, I know he angers, like, I still have, there's a couple of Canucks fans in a lot of my league chats. <laughs> they hate Brad Marchand. Like, they hate well, I'm him. sure there are just as many Lee fans that dislike him. And Yeah, Lee's fans hate him too, but I, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, it's, it's fun for me because I can just always troll them just by mentioning Brad Marchand's name. But 
it's like it's insane how much he, Brad Marchand's in their head. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of crazy, and there there is something to that too. Where we were talking about this with Ridley Greig last week, um, like every every single team wants a Brad Marchand on their team, and like he's what literally one of a kind. Like I don't think you'll ever like somewhat. Yeah, there is like there's a lot of pests in the league. Theo Fleury being the main guy who can also score. But the fact that like Brad Marsh, like I think every single team wants to, wants like this type of guy on their team because he, um, cause he not only gets under the opponent's skin, but he's also really good at hockey and score goals and make assists and contribute everything else. So he's like a different breed of an enforcer in a way uh, on that sense too. So, um, so obviously I'm biased just off the ice you know you just like how he's interactive you know with some of the fans in boston too it's just like a very wholesome guy to cheer for and then you look at brad marchand that incident with tristan jerry where jerry's trying to get the puck to a penguins fan in boston and marchand's just like ah it's not one of my fans what are you doing get that away from him yeah 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 (laughs) i only give away pucks here right 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 so um Oh, and that was the other thing, too. I remember last year when I went to uh, California to watch the Bruins play the Ducks and the Sharks, um, and we went to the pregame of the Sharks game, and I was just noticing how Brad Marchand, like, he was, like, yeah, he was doing some of the pregame warm-ups, but, like, the other half of the point, he was going up to Bruins fans and giving them pucks. And I was just like, mm-hmm. that that's sick. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Um, Probably, and that's like a side, you know, just a, yeah. a recognition of dedication that even in California, yeah, exactly. you, know, you got to recognize the so, supporters. So if you're a uh, Canucks fan, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, Ottawa Senators fan, you're lying to yourself. Like, I know you publicly you hate Brad Marchand, but you're lying to yourself if you don't want him on your team. Um, so, um, and I, I get it. I would hate Brad Marchand too if he was not on the Bruins, but... Um, but you have to respect him. Um, so yep. he has his job and he does it damn well. Uh, do you have anything to say about Petrangelo? Um, I... uh, again, uh, I think I said it. Uh, yep. When he left for Vegas, the Blues would rue the day yep. they let go of him. And um, while they haven't been good at points, they haven't been truly the same ever since. And I'm glad they got their championship in 2019 because uh, it might be a while when they get their next one. Yep. Um, Damn it! I, I thought we had more time. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I guess um, we should mention. We can, we, do you want to run through these injuries? Only yeah, I, like guess, I guess so. Yeah, I feel, I feel like we should. Uh, Gensel out four weeks due to injury. Uh, it's kind of funny because we were mentioning him last week, and then uh, and then yeah, like maybe like a day later he gets. Um, he gets injured and I think he still might get moved, but yeah. it'll probably be waiting until the final week. And anyone who's claiming Jake Ensel is going to be like, we want to see the injury report because we're yeah. not making a trade uh, unless we know what we're getting and we're right. getting a healthy Jake Ensel. So although um, I'm yeah. sure a lot of teams will be paying close attention to that. Although I feel like if the Penguins like, cause my thought was if the Penguins are going to trade him, it's like, because they don't see him in their future. So I mm-hmm. feel like, if they're going to, like, I don't think they would trade him for a rental piece. So that's why I'm like thinking this might, <laughs> this might be a hindrance to their, maybe, to their maybe they're hoping to get like a sign in trade or whatever, yep, where they, possible. that, cause that could increase the trade value. 
Yeah, yeah, that. Well, yeah, I guess that it, would be the it, way it to go about it. It just depends on what Jake Ansel wants to do. If you want to test free agency, regardless, well, so right, 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 impossible then. But, but yeah, so I, I feel like it, it definitely puts a damper on it. But I guess you're right. It, it theoretically, he could get moved. Um, <laughs> Hurdle undergoing surgery. He's out for the year. Um, yeah, this is unfortunate, but I, I guess it's like, yeah, the Sharks aren't going anywhere. It's probably if better anything, for them. If anything, it helps their tankathon yeah. chances. Exactly. So so that's probably good for them. Um, and then Wheeler out for the rest of the season. Um, he might come back during the playoffs, but it seems kind of unlikely. Um, and it also sounds like, because Truba was interviewed, of course, he's now with the Rangers, but um, he was also with Wheeler during the Winnipeg days. And yeah, he was like near tears, Truba was, um, because it, it seems like this might be it for, for Wheeler. We won't see him again so um, for the rest of the career. But of course, like, what does, what does Truba know? Um, but we'll I see. I mean, we, yeah. we thought, you know, the emotions being shown yep. by Shea Weber after the Habs got uh, yep. knocked out by Tampa in the finals in 2021. Mm. You know, we thought it was just a, a competitor, you know, just lost the Stanley Cup final, the natural reaction to have. And then we never saw Shea Weber again on yep. an NHL ice surface. So, you know, maybe maybe they do know more than we do. Yeah, yeah, I think they, they probably do. Um. All right, that's about it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellswick. We'll chat again in episode 401 of the Lace Em Up Podcast. <laughs>